Wishing on a change in time. Welcome to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Warzniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. The show website is nhte.net and has lots from all episodes plus links to social media and podcast listening platforms. With regards to the e-newsletter, do check your spam or your junk folder to see if there are one or more emails from me that you've not seen and move them to the inbox, whitelist my address, approve me as a sender or whatever. It's only once a week, but I do want to ensure that you're getting what I'm sending out each Wednesday. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest is a singer-songwriter whose latest single came out at the end of February. She has been releasing music since 2014 and has more new music on the way. After growing up in Minnesota, she moved to New York before relocating to Music City, although she has performed elsewhere too, including the famed Eddie's Attic in Atlanta. All this comes after having quite a career as a student athlete and then working in sports. You've been hearing a song of hers called Ricochet Heart. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Alana McCready. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely, Alana, thanks for being here. I appreciate you making time for this. Of course. Well, congratulations on the new single, which I'm actually going to have you talk about before I play it at the end of today's show. But first, let's have you tell the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Ricochet Heart, especially since I was talking over it and they couldn't hear the lyrics. (laughs) Yeah, so Ricochet Heart um, is the title track off of um, the last album I released. Um, It was about three and a half years ago now. And it's sort of just a follow-up to my first album, Love Hangover. Um, And Ricochet Heart is just basically about how you know, once you give out your heart to somebody, you know, you're not going to get the whole thing back. And so it's not going to bounce back or come back and ricochet back to you. So, you know, you're always going to leave a piece of it with some, wherever you sent it and whoever you gave it to. That sounds to me like a song that you probably got a lot of people (laughs) commenting on in a been there, done that kind of way. Yes. Oh yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But of course that's, as a songwriter, not to mention as an artist, that's certainly one of your goals is people saying, I connected with that song because. Yeah, I think that is probably the biggest compliment you can get as a songwriter is for someone to respond and say it's relatable or I just went through that or I'm so glad you you know put that in a song because you know, I've been thinking it, but not many people have said it out loud. You know, those kind of compliments are the best ones you can get as a songwriter. Actually, that brings up a question for me, which is I'm picturing you performing live and someone comes up to you after a show and is starting to comment in that regard and they get very emotional and they seem like, hey, I'm going to really need like 10 minutes of your time, not 10 seconds, not 60 seconds. How difficult is that, that you've just stepped off stage and you have other people wanting to talk to you, and here's somebody that, on the one hand, you feel that, wow, my song really touched them, but on the other hand, I don't want to be rude, but I don't know that I can devote 10 minutes to talking to this person one-on-one. How do you balance that? It's it's really, it's actually really hard, and I didn't really experience that until, you know, a while into my career, 
And um, it actually happened to me, that actually happened to me at South by Southwest one year. And, you know, this girl came up to me and she had just gone through a breakup and she was, you know, literally crying mm. and, and and talking to me and it made me emotional. <laughs> you know, there's other people there, especially at South by, you know, you want to talk to as many people as possible. And that's one thing about, you know, my band at the time, they were so awesome. And I kind of, after shows like that, if there's someone that's, you know, occupying a bit of my time or I want to speak to someone longer, they were always really good about kind of filling in and talking to other people and kind of keeping them lingering and talking to them until I was available. Mm. So I think it helps a lot when you have a band that you've been with for a while and they know you well and can actually interact with, with fans and stuff and kind of compensate for that. Wow. I like that. I like that. Listeners, in the intro, I mentioned the weekly e-newsletter. If you read that two weeks ago on April 7th, you saw me mention in there that I'm going to be in Las Vegas in June. Rest assured, I'm already starting to do my homework for that trip in the form of combing through the Access Vegas newsletter. That comes to my email inbox, and it's filled with tips and insider information from people on the ground there in Las Vegas who publish that so that we all can save money and time so as to get the most out of our trip whenever any of us travel there. If you've listened to this show for a while now, then you've heard me mention the 12 exclusive reports that you can get from them, plus the private Facebook group, which I've been spending a lot of time in lately. Things are very much back open for business out there, and Access Vegas has features such as the super secret specials, so you know which places to go during what times and for which special Find out where the cheapest drinks are on the entire Las Vegas Strip, the newest casino game you must avoid. My gosh, the list goes on. To get all of this and more, go to my show website, nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and during sign-up, put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. With another one of their 12 reports, you'll even find out how to con the casino computers into comping you more. Plus, you can even write questions directly to the editor, and he will personally answer you back. Again, go to my show website, nhte.net. Click on the Access Vegas logo, and during sign-up, put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. Alana, your background is something that I know you get asked to talk about all the time, but since sports and entertainment have become so synonymous with each other, and since I've always been a sports guy myself, I would love to have you share with the audience about how growing up you were not only all about singing, but playing hockey. Yeah, it's, you know, sometimes people people in my life now are like, what? You know, because they didn't know me back in that portion of my life, and it feels like it feels like an actual lifetime ago. Um, but you know, growing up in the state of hockey, you know, you get skates when you're when you're three years old, when you can start to walk, you basically get your first pair of skates. So you know, I grew up playing hockey. My dad played in college, and um, you know, back when I was in you know elementary school, middle school, and even part of high school there there wasn't girls teams like there is now so mm. you know i played with the boys my whole life until like my sophomore year of high school and wow you know it's it's and i love now that i look at the girls and there's teams for every age and you know they have that opportunity and so i think it's it's just awesome to see now that how far it's come since you know it wasn't really that long ago that i was that age so it's come so far so fast and I love it and you know I started playing goalie when I was 10 and 
you know, my parents and my family are such a good support system and got me in the best camps they could, the best coaches they could. And, you know, I said I wanted to do it and they were like, okay, well, if you put in the work and then, you know, I ended up being able to go about as high as you can go for women in our sport. So it was was pretty awesome. You're being humble. Tell the listeners (laughs) how successful your team was in college. (laughs) We, uh, in college, um, we won two national championships uh, my freshman year and my junior year and uh, my sophomore year we we lost in the national championship game to uh, minnesota duluth which is the team we beat the year before so <laughs> yeah they gave it they gave it back to us but this is really cool because you were just as rabid about singing as you were about hockey and the way i understand it and maybe this happened more than once but there was at least one occurrence where in your goalie equipment, you sang the national anthem before your own game. Is that correct? I did. I actually did that all through high school. Wow! For almost every almost every home game, I I would go in the penalty box and sing the national anthem in my equipment, and then skate to the net and start the game. <laughs> That's awesome. That's was, awesome. The visiting the visiting team was all always very very confused. <laughs> well, but you know, I think that's a case of people probably had to look and say, okay, this girl is either going to grow up to be a professional singer or she's going to become a professional hockey player. Yeah. And since there weren't the opportunities for women in hockey that there are now, it was pretty clear that I guess she's going to go on to become a professional singer, and that's where you are today. Yeah, and I just, you know, I refused to give up one or the other. And I always, you know, my my whole childhood, I kept telling my parents, I'm like, I can do both. I can do both. And they were like, oh, you know, like it's a lot. And I'm like, I can figure it out. I can do both. You know, there were times where I had to sort of make deals with my choir director. <laughs> if we had, you know, like a really important game on the night of a concert and I would go in and sing my, as a soprano. And so I would go in and sing my parts for every single song for the concert to get credit for my choir class wow. and during the day. And so I could play my game at night. Wow. It was just, it was, it was a lot of moving parts. And I was also the only athlete who was in choir. So that was also anything, you know, just as weird as the the athletes and the other teams would look at me while I was singing the national anthem. It goes the same way, vice versa. You know, the choir kids and, you know, from the other schools and we'd have concerts with other schools and stuff. They'd, they'd be like, wait, <laughs> you're going to go play a hockey game, but you're doing the school musical. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> This is really neat. Listeners, go back and listen to episode 370 when I interviewed recording artist and guitar player Manny Blue, who relocated from Montreal to Nashville and not only grew up playing hockey himself, but actually was on the verge of an MMA career before an injury turned him towards music. I'll put a link to that on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. So, Alana, of course, the big question is, who is your team, the Minnesota Wild or the Nashville Predators? Uh, I'm a wild fan. <laughs> My whole family were, you know, we've had season tickets even back, you know, all the way back to the North Stars. So wow. as soon as Minnesota, yeah, as soon as Minnesota got hockey back, we, we all became wild fans. And so my whole, my whole family's wild fans and they're having a really great year. So hopefully that continues. So in the days when the NHL teams are all playing all the teams in the league and it's not like it is now with these restructured divisions, if the Minnesota Wild come to town to play the Nashville Predators, you're going to go to the game and you're going to root for Minnesota. I am. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I actually did that. Um, would have been 2019. 
Um, I was here visiting uh, with some friends and the wild were in town to play the Preds. And we, I was like, we're going to the game. And my two friends that I took had actually never been to or seen a hockey game ever. Wow. And I feel like they kind of saw a different side of me that they just never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> like all the cheers and stuff. And, you know, they're like, you know, and I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Civ cheer. So that one I don't participate in, obviously, because I was a goalie. So. <laughs> well, here's another interesting piece of now hear this entertainment trivia. There have actually been two guests on this show with ties to the Nashville Predators way, way back on episode 76. It was Jordan Elena, a singer-songwriter who had been one of the Predators' dancers. And on episode 291, my guest was singer-songwriter guitar player Shannon Lauren Callahan, who also worked for the Predators and Bridgestone Arena. I will put links to those two interviews on the show for Alana's episode as well at nhte.net so you can go back and hear those two episodes i did ask both of them about those connections to the predators alana you moved on after college to a job in sports management in new york as i understand it you were actually working with some nfl players was there any facet of that work lessons that carried over to having a career in music oh absolutely um you know i was basically running you know doing pr for um, a bunch of NFL players and kind of running their daily lives. Mm. And I feel like, you know, and I was monitoring their social media and, you know, helping with all of that and interviewing and stuff like that. And so I feel like then moving on to being an independent artist, I was able to kind of have insight in that, that most independent artists probably wouldn't have, you know, on how to promote myself and run social media and, you know, kind of the back end of it. Um, and so I think that really helped a lot for me to be able to kind of take on that part for myself. So for the people who are listening that are saying she graduated from college and got to work in New York doing sports management, working with the NFL players, why in the world would anybody give that up? Because it is so difficult coming right out of college to get a job of that nature. Share with us about your uncle being the one who got you pointed towards Nashville. Yeah, so my, my uncle is a recording artist. His name is Willie Wisely. Um, and he, you know, I kind of expressed to him over the years. And I'm like, you know, I think I want to do this. And I'm ready to be an artist. And, you know, this is what I've always wanted to do. You know, can you help me or point me in the right direction? And he introduced me to um, a few publishers and producers in Nashville that I could, you know, work with. And so I came down to Nashville and started, you know, recording for the first time. Um, you came down from New York? Yeah. <laughs> and your your uncle at the time was where? Uh, L.A. Wow, wow. Yeah, so my first album I recorded half in Nashville and half in L.A. Ah. Um, L.A. with him. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, very interesting, yeah. very interesting. So even though you got encouragement from music industry professionals to pursue music full-time did you have a moment a day a week upon moving to nashville where you stopped and had a minor freak out and thought oh my gosh what have i done or or were you entirely at peace with it the whole time and that's what helped you know you did the right thing um no i definitely definitely had a freak out because <laughs> i'm like okay well i'm leaving this corporate job 
you know, I have a stable, good life here in New York. And, you know, do I want to give all that up for something that's, you know, super unpredictable and an industry that is just like a roller coaster? And, you know, I was like, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it and I'll regret it. And so I'm like, whatever happens, I just got to do it. So talk to the people out there who are considering doing exactly what you just described. Was there pushback from the family? Did you know anybody in Nashville? I mean, I know you said you had done some recording there, but was it, there's a difference between going and recording with people and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm living here now. Those people are like, ah, I you know, kind of worked with you a little bit, but I can't drop everything I'm doing to help you get acclimated to the city. Yeah. Talk about that, the, the emotions that go into that, because I'm sure that your parents love you and they want what's best for you, but they also are saying, honey, that doesn't sound real stable. So how, how was all that for you? Yeah, I am so lucky um, that my family is so supportive. You know, it was basically like going back to when I was 10 and I told my parents that, you know, after stopping two pucks as a 10-year-old playing goalie for the first time, I told my parents I was really good at it and this is what I should be doing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And they were like, oh, okay, well, you know, here you go. You know, and, you know, on their end, they've immediately tried to put me in the best camps with the best coaches and that's kind of how it went when I transitioned into music you know they were like okay well if you really want to do this then you know let us know how we can help and wow you know we're we're here for you you know what do you what do you need and I'm just I'm so lucky that that's how they've been my whole life no matter what um, I wanted to do and what industry I wanted to be in and the dreams I had you know, I, I feel very lucky that I have a family who's like, you know what, this is what you want to do. Okay, here we are. What do you need? And so, you know, I feel like not a lot of people have that just, you know, judgment free, you know, automatic support from, from family members. So I'm, I'm super lucky. But did you actually know anyone in Nashville? I did not. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I, I didn't. And actually, Two weeks after moving here, um, I met my friend who and I have been friends for nine years. Um, we met at a Nashville bar on Broadway and at the stage, and uh, we've been friends ever since. So, wow, that's she was the only she was the first person I met. <laughs> but was there ever any thought to moving to Los Angeles, being that you had the uncle that lived out there and he was a, a recording artist himself? Um, I don't think so. Um, just because I feel like in my genre and the kind of music I want to do to give it its best chance, I need to be need to be here. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville by singer songwriter Alana McCready. Visit her official website at alanamccready.com. And of course, as I do for every guest, I will have a link to Alana's website on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. There are links on the website to find Alana. Wow, pretty much everywhere on social media. She is on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and even TikTok. You can follow her on Spotify, but the better way to support Alana is by purchasing downloads of her music. As I mentioned in the intro, not only does she have a new single out, but there is plenty that she has released in the past. So iTunes, Amazon, buy her music. Don't just stream it. Please remember that I am here to help, folks. If you have or if someone you know has questions, you or they need help with your or their music career or even with podcasting, I do offer private one-on-one video consultations. My company, Now Hear This Incorporated, 
has been working with artists on their music careers for over 15 years. Guys and gals from Los Angeles to Las Vegas to here in Tampa Bay and a number of other cities in between. In fact, there are articles on the homepage of the website about the two newest clients. And of course, I've been doing this podcast every week for more than seven years now. Go to nowhearthis.biz, it's H-E-A-R, nowhearthis.biz, to not only read about those two newest clients, but for the article titled Video Consultations Now Available, and then use the link in there to get a personal session scheduled with me. Alana, there is a saying that I like to use, which is along the lines of, don't ask a question that you might not like the answer to, or (laughs) words to that effect. You had a moment when you asked a scary question to a publisher, which was whether he thought you had what it takes to be an artist. Talk about that conversation, which was a very critical moment in your career. Yeah, I had I had just come down to Nashville and recorded for my very first time ever um, professionally recording. And after we finished, um, I sat down with um, the publisher that I was working with and I was like, you know, I really want to do this for a living and I think I can do this and I think it's what I should be doing and what I've always thought I should be doing. But in your professional opinion, you know, do you think that I should be doing this as a career and for a living, like, do you think I can do this? And, you know, he, he said, yes, absolutely. It, you know, I definitely think it's something that you could do as a career. And I was, that was kind of like the last straw of motivation for me to be like, you know what, you know, kind of validation of, okay, well then I need to go 150 into this and, and start doing it full time and throw myself into it. And so I think that kind of last bit of validation after, you know, my family and everything, supporting me was kind of that last push. So that was while you were still living in New York? Yes. I see. Yeah, so it's a case of, you know what, I was pretty convinced I was going to come down here, but now that I hear it from an industry pro in Nashville, I'm doing it. Yeah, basically. You know, and it's, there's always a chance that he's going to be like, mm, <laughs> but maybe not, but, you know, it's better to ask and to know. Um, before you, you know, uproot your whole life. (laughs) Well, and I think that also does bring up kind of the concept of there's probably someone listening right now who's saying, oh, of course he's going to tell her that. The guy just wants to take her money. But I think it's a case of you have to decide how well do I know this person? How much do I trust and respect their opinion? Is this the only person that that I'm going to ask this to? You know, and am I being open-minded about this? And am I ready for if he is going to be honest and he is going to say, I'm really not sure that you do, but. So obviously there was something in that moment that compelled you to ask, but you also felt comfortable enough that this is someone whose opinion I trust and respect and, okay, he's just validated what I kind of already thought I should be doing. Yeah, and for sure. I mean, all all of those things for sure, but this I asked him that you know before you know I'd, I hadn't signed anything with him I wasn't planning on signing anything with him you know I wasn't you know he wasn't trying to get get me to you know spend money on anything or anything you know he was just you know helping doing a favor for his friend my uncle and you know he had no reason to you know blow smoke or <laughs> lie to me or anything like that and so um, I think that's why I kind of took that so whole, wholeheartedly because there was no strength attached awesome. um, at any point. And so that kind of is what helped me just really believe in it. 
Awesome. I love that answer. And I'm, and I'm glad you clarified that so people understand kind of, you know, what the situation was or was not. I've mentioned that you've lived in Minnesota, New York, and now Nashville. But clarify something for me. Did you live in Atlanta at one point, too? And if so, when? How long did that last? And why had you moved there? Yeah, I um, after I finished my first album, I actually moved to Atlanta with um, one of my friends. She's living there for work. Um, and I kind of just wanted, I needed a change a little bit. Um, I had gone through a breakup and like all this stuff. And then apparently I do drastic things when I go through <laughs> breakups, like write, like write albums about them um, and move to different cities. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, so I have been living and working, um, doing music full time in Atlanta for the past eight years. And, uh, I loved it there um, just because I am a fan of all music, even though I do country music personally. Um, I feel like it's a melting pot of music there. And I was able to work with people in all different genres and write for people in other genres and, um, you know, travel and, and play shows in places I probably wouldn't have regularly. Um, and, you know, but then this new music that I just finished that we're, we're releasing this year, I just feel like I, I've been getting such a good response about it and for it. And I feel like I'm finally in my lane as an artist and a songwriter. And, you know, realistically I sat down and I was like, you know, even though I've made a home for myself here in Atlanta to give this music and my songwriting and me as an artist the best chance I, I need to be in, in Nashville and just be in it and be available to work. and. But I want to understand this. So you went from New York to Nashville to Atlanta and back to Nashville. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not trying to make light of it. I just wanted to make sure that I had it chronologically correct. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, uh, I want to... I like to... change, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you had a post on Facebook at the end of March where you were talking about having just finished up a virtual co-write. Mind you, even though you were going on to say how grateful you are to do what you love every single day... How did you like, or didn't you like, having to do writing sessions over Skype or Zoom during the pandemic? Because I know some songwriters just really don't like that approach at all, and others seem like, eh, it's not ideal, but it's okay if that's what you're forced to do. I'm asking this because I don't seem to hear anyone raving about it. Um, I definitely think there's pros and cons. Um, the pro, I think, being like the co-write that I, d I was doing that particular post I was talking about, you know, the, the people I was writing with and working with in that, in that Zoom write, one was in Ireland and one was in the UK. Wow. So I think the pro, yes, yeah, so I think the pro of that is being able to do co-writes with people all over the world um, and work with people that you wouldn't usually get a chance to work with in studio. Um, but I think definitely the con of a, of a, of a virtual write is, there is just something to be said about being in the same room with people you're creating with and getting like a vibe from them and, you know, really working together and being in the same room together and, you know, just talking stuff out and, and playing around with things and being able to, you know, lay down a demo right away in the room together and collaborate for the whole process rather than, you know, doing a zoom right and then having to record the demo later in the day, you know, without those people present and stuff like that. So, um, 
I think it could go either way. And I also think it would depend on, on what your personal uh, writing process is like, because everyone's different. Yeah, because the case that I've heard made against it, in addition to what you said, is in a lot of songwriting sessions, there's a lot of silence and there's a lot of staring at the ceiling or staring at the wall. And it just, oh yeah, it's kind of accepted. And you know that that's going to go on when you're in a room with other writers. But when you're on Skype with another writer and you're sitting in your place and you're staring at the ceiling and the other person's on the other end of the Skype call and they're staring at the wall and you're obviously thinking, but it's just really awkward that, okay, we're on Skype and it just seems like I might as well just be sitting here in my room by myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you're like, um, is this person like into what we're doing, or are they watching TV behind their computer? You know, like <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, all, all valid points. So let's talk about new music that's ahead for you. What are you at liberty to disclose at this point about a project that you recently worked on with David Gittens Jr. and Will Gittens? Um, yeah, so I am releasing a five-song EP later this year. Um, that the three of us, so uh, Will and I wrote all five songs together. Um, and then Sterling is his brother, um, and he produced um, all five of the tracks. So we kind of did, you know, a super squad. The three of us <laughs> did an entire project for me um, during this, the quarantine, and I'm super excited about it. But are you at liberty to disclose say a potential release date a title for it maybe what the quote-unquote theme of the ep is anything like that or not yet so um i don't have a release date yet we're kind of working on all that stuff right now um figuring out a rollout plan and um kind of all the details of when exactly and how um so that's what we did we did the single first um, and then we're working on the rollout plan for the rest of it right now, but it will definitely be this year. <laughs> and um, the theme is sort of along the lines of, I would say all the songs are kind of things that people are thinking in relationships or about life, um, but don't necessarily say out loud. Mm. And I think that's kind of something that we wanted to have as a theme throughout the whole project. Wow. And just, I think that, this project is definitely the most relatable uh, project I've ever done um, and also definitely the most vulnerable. So, you know, it's it's been a while since I released music and we kind of took this opportunity to just be super real and talk about really real things. And um, it helps that, you know, Will and I know each other so well. Um, I think it makes a difference when you're writing with someone who, who knows you so well um, because they can kind of pull things out of you that you wouldn't necessarily maybe say to someone that you, you didn't know you were writing with. So it's, I'm really excited about it. There's a flood of follow-up questions that are coming into my head. Let me see <laughs> how many of them I can remember. You, you might've started to partially answer one of the ones that I was going to ask, but you know, as well as anyone that, a songwriter has to be willing to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. However, just knowing that doesn't mean that you're going to do it or that it's easy to do. So when you said this is the most vulnerable I've ever been, my question to you, Alana, is what has to happen for a songwriter to 
come to terms with that and say, I'm going to go ahead and be vulnerable in my writing as opposed to, I'm going to try to skate by for a while. I'm not really ready for that. I'm just going to kind of play it safe and throw some stuff out there until I get to that point. I think you just have to realize that, you know, if you're thinking about it and if you're going through it or your friends are, you know, I get a lot of inspiration from my friends and things they go through as well. You know, if I think if I'm going through it and if the people I'm closest to are going through it, we're definitely not the only ones. And so, you know, if I say this out loud or if I put this in a song, is it going to help someone? Mm. And, you know, if the answer is yes, then I think it's my responsibility as a songwriter and someone who puts content out and music out for people to listen to, to give them that. And, you know, in hindsight, it heals, you know, it heals me too to get it out. Mm. And so, you know, if, if it heals someone else or helps someone else or put someone else in a mood that I was in when I was writing it, you know, even one other person, then I did my job. I love it. I love it. So one of my other follow-up questions is is more of a clarification. The song that we're going to be talking about in a minute or two, and, and then I'm going to play at the end, your latest single called Something Like That, will that be one of the songs on this new EP? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So the other question is, when was this EP done? Because what I'm wondering is, how much was it or wasn't it impacted by the pandemic in terms of being able or not being able to write in person, to have uh, socially distanced recording sessions, those types of things? Um, Yeah, I think it was heavily influenced by it. Um, We finished writing the last song in September. Oh. Yeah, so we we finished writing the the last track for it in September. And, you know, there's there's a song on there about, you know, long distance relationship, but it could also be interpreted as, you know, during the pandemic, not being able to see your loved ones. And mm. so there's stuff stuff in there about that. And, um, you know, there's there's just a lot of different topics that were definitely inspired by what what was happening around us. For sure. Well, I got to say, I love this idea that you said that a large part of the theme is thoughts that people are having in a relationship because to me there's a big difference between thoughts that you're having and not necessarily saying or acting on them versus actions and behaviors that you are exhibiting outwardly in a relationship so I love to me this is a a, you were saying before you think you found your lane and I think you have found Alana I'm saying this as a compliment a a unique (laughs) approach to something that gets written about all the time, which is relationship songs. And I think you have found a neat little angle in here to say, okay, but what about the thoughts that people have and particularly those that they don't express or act on? Yeah. uh, Thank you. Yeah. I, um, I feel like a lot of times people are thinking things in relationships, but because of what might be the consequences of it or, things they're afraid of might happen if they say them out loud they censor them um Mm. i mean we're all we're all guilty of it but you know because you censor yourself because you don't want to lose the person or um you're afraid of just what might happen and so i kind of wanted to we kind of wanted to write about things that are those exact things like you know if you say this to someone it might not be you know you might not get the best response but it needs to be done and so um i think that's kind of how we carried that theme theme throughout 
So let's just put a bow on this discussion about the EP. Just clarify. So everything is or is not done, mixed, mastered, finished, ready to go, or or not at this point? Um, About half. Okay. A little more than half. Okay. Is, is um, mixed and mastered. Okay. They're, the rest are being done as we speak. <laughs> okay. So I want to switch the subject here. I dig the name that you have for your tribe, your fans, your followers. Talk about the Alantourage, not to mention getting back to that March 30th Facebook post following the virtual co-write, the support that you do get. Yeah. Um, my friends uh, actually came up with Alantourage. Um, ah. My, I think it was my 30th birthday. Um, we went to Miami and... My friends somehow, I mean, my friends are hilarious, but they came up with a entourage and they, they got shirts made that said a entourage on them. Um, and we basically went to Miami for my birthday and they all wore a entourage shirts. <laughs> um, so yeah, and it just, it stuck from, from that, from that point forward. And they started wearing them for my shows. And I was like, you know what? That's going to be what my fans are called because that's awesome. But I do want to give you an opportunity. I know in that post that you were being very reflective, not only of the virtual co-write that you had just done, but it was really more a post getting at, as I said earlier, the fact that you're able to do something that you love every day. And in large part, it's because of this great support that you have. Yeah. I, I think that especially last year, it was really difficult to stay focused and, and it would have been really easy to just be like, you know, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't keep doing this. You know, I feel like a lot of artists were kind of at a place where we were like, are we ever going to be able to play, you know, do our job again or, you know, interact with people, our supporters again and stuff like that and in person. And, you know, it was my friends and just, you know, the social media people that are there for me on a daily basis and follow me and send me messages all the time. Like, I can't wait to come see you play when this is all over. Or, mm. you know, do, are you writing new music? Like, I oh, would love to hear new stuff from you, you know, when this is all done. Or do you have new music you're going to put out for, you know, for us to listen to? Because that's pretty much all we're doing now or, you know, stuff like that. And so that was definitely motivation to, to be like, no, they're, you know, I am going to be able to play live shows again and see these people. And then it reminded me of, you know, playing live shows because there's just, it's a feeling like no other to look out and see people, especially people that are specific supporters of you, you know, like singing along with your original songs and stuff like that. And that's just something that I just always want to be able to do. Yeah, that's great to hear because obviously, as we said earlier, when someone says, I connected with your song, that makes you feel great. But when it is dark times, like we had during the heart of the pandemic, and you're just sitting at home, like you said, wondering when you'll ever play again, and people are writing to you and saying supportive things at a time when they're not sitting and watching you perform in person, that has to make you again feel like, okay, I am doing the right thing here. And, and it's great that these people are supporting me at a time when I'm just kind of sitting around, you know, waiting for things to blow over the same way they are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was, it's awesome to see. And even my family too, you know, and I obviously made the decision to move during, you know, during the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. And my family was like, we think, you know, we agree with you. We think, you know, with the new music and, you know, my friends were like, 
yeah, go to Nashville. And when this is all over with, you know, level up. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a little nugget, listeners, if you were paying close attention, that Alana glossed over, which if I was one of those carnival guessers who says, I'll guess your age, your weight, your whatever, I would not have guessed above 30 because oh. <laughs> you said for my 30th birthday and obviously and i'm not asking you to reveal your age but obviously it wasn't like three months ago because you said oh i don't know no. i think it might have been my 30th birthday when we went to miami so yeah. again this is in the form of a compliment because all i can base it on is my research and looking at your pictures and i didn't even have you in my head yeah. as much as 30 so oh wonderful <laughs> i don't know that there's a question here but <laughs> but, but again um, uh, yeah no i'm not yeah no i'm not i'm not afraid i mean i'm i'm 33 so okay i um i i turned 34 this year but thank you very much that you didn't think i was anywhere near that well and let me tell you <laughs> And really nice compliment. In the very, very early going of this show, I had to learn the hard way to not ask a woman her age, at least on the air, because I was kind of scolded on the air for for more or less doing oh that. God, so I really. wasn't really asking. Yeah, you no, to, I'm, to I'm not ashamed. Oh, the only thing that you know, being 33 allows me to have many more experiences. But there you go. It involves creating creating songs about so. So is there something else that you have to disclose? And I'm taking a shot at myself and saying, I guess I didn't do my research well enough because I didn't know that you had performed at South by Southwest. I had mentioned Eddie's Attic in the intro. Uh, before we start to wrap up mm -hmm. here, any other cool events, locations, performances that you've had that, that we should know about other than Eddie's Attic and South by Southwest? Um, yeah, I mean, South by, we, I think up until the pandemic, we were on our fourth year in a wow. row. Wow, wow. Um, which was super fun to be there for that um and then also Summerfest. um we were about to be on our fourth fourth year in a row playing Summerfest, which is always fun because you know it's in wisconsin and so i get a, all the badger fans come out for that um <laughs> which which is really fun to do um what about right there in nashville maybe uh cmt or maybe even the bluebird any of those yet um, no, not yet, but they are on my list. I'm sorry, I should have said CMA Fest, not CMT. I'm getting my acronyms mixed up. Yeah, no, I did see uh, CMA Fest a few years ago, um, for sure. Um, so I'm looking forward to being in the city and being able to do all those things consecutively now, every year. Did you say you sang at CMA Fest or you saw CMA Fest? Both. Wow, wow. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. yeah that was probably four years four years ago maybe awesome well we're going to close today with your newest single which is called something like that before i let you go share with the audience all about this song please so something like that um it was actually the first song that will and i wrote together ever um and subsequently now the first song on the on the ep but yeah we were just doing a writing session and he played something kind of silly on the guitar and we both were like oh yeah or something something like that along those lines and we were like oh light bulb mm. we don't know what the song's going to be about but that's going to be the title mm. um and so then it kind of just evolved into you know what do you i feel like people think they need all of these super specific and detailed things in relationships to be happy and we kind of wanted to scale that back and and be like you know what actually no I don't need all these specific things. What I need is things that I, you know, didn't have in my last relationship. I need you to not lie to me and spend time with me and be nice to me. Uh, and that's pretty much all I should need to be happy. And so kind of shedding light on, 
how you know if you have those things you should be you sh- there's no reason really that you shouldn't shouldn't be happy in a relationship and kind of how I'm at a point in my life where if you can't do those simple things and you know if you, you can't not lie to me or or something something like that it's probably not going to work so we just kind of wanted to kind of just say it plain and simple you know just the facts you know I, I've had issues with, with men lying to me in the past and you know if you can tell me the truth and spend time with me and be nice to me and be there for me and you know just all the simple things then you know we're probably good to go <laughs> cool cool well, I was going to say that the Beatles sang all you need is love but these other things are pretty important too <laughs> yeah I feel like that these other things are kind of what creates that there you go. There you go. Well, Alana, this has been so much fun. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Thanks so much for making time to be on Now Hear This Entertainment. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. You bet. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, Alana McCready. Do visit her official website at alanamccready.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. As I said before, I strongly encourage you to purchase downloads of Alana's music from iTunes or Amazon. There are a number of platforms to stream her music from, but just remember that it's a very small fraction that ends up going back to her when you consume her music that way. On her website, you will also see links for Alana on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. So do be sure to connect with her on social media. I myself have already followed her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so please do the same. For that matter, tell Alana that you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Follow Alana on Spotify as well, and be sure to keep up with her online as she puts out news in the lead-up to the new EP that you heard her talk about. What can I help you with? As I said earlier, if you or someone you know has got questions, you or they need help with your or their music career, or even with podcasting, I do offer private one-on-one video consultations. My company, Now Hear This Incorporated, has been working with artists on their music careers for over 15 years, and of course I've been doing this podcast every week for more than seven years now. Go to nowhearthis.biz, that's H-E-A-R, nowhearthis.biz, as they would say in Canada. Read about the two newest clients and look for the article titled Video Consultations Now Available, and then use the link in there to get a personal session scheduled with me. For now, that will do it for episode 376. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Alana McCready. This is the one she just talked about called Something Like That. Been cheated on about three times Went running back when he apologized I didn't know my worth and that's fine
Boy, I love.